Hey everybody, welcome to episode 307 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and um, we will be talking briefly about some comics, but before we get to that, I want to talk about something kind of sad, but also not, I mean, too sad. I mean, long life and all that, but um, anyway, uh, I want to probably get in a long line of comic book podcasters that will uh, have a few thoughts on, if not the passing, then at least the life of, of Stan the Man Lee. Um, and kind of, you know, made a lot of this all possible. Um, you know, this is the, the podcast that goes snicked. Um, and obviously Stan Lee, you know, we already lost kind of a co-creator of Wolverine, uh, Lynn Ween, you know, not that long ago. Um, and Stanley did not directly, you know, create Wolverine, but it kind of all goes back to him. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit there's going to be a lot of podcasters who are going to talk about this a lot more elegantly, um, have some more thoughts. And a, and a lot of podcasters who actually cover, you know, more directly some of his direct works, um, you know, for example, my, my friends John and Michael at, uh, Make Ours Marvel, um, you know, covering the early 60s stuff with Stan Lee and, and, you know, the fantastic cast and lots of people covering, you know, Stan Lee's very early work, uh, a lot closer than anything I would ever get to on the podcast that goes Nick, but, you know, Marvel all starts <laughs> with Stan the Man, and, and not exclusively, right? I mean, definitely want to, it was collaborative, and, you know, don't want to take away from the other legends, you know, especially Stan and Steve, um, I'm sorry, especially Jack and Steve, um, some of the, the biggest artistic contributors at the very beginning of Marvel, um, and brought some of the most iconic characters to life, and, and others like, you know, I won't start a list because I'll say Don Heck and I'll forget to say somebody else and someone will get mad at me. But um, anyway, all the artists that, that help co-create the characters and, and everything. And I know there's different arguments about Stan and, and credit and all that. And that's not what I want to talk about today. Because um, whether he directly or how what percentage of the creation doesn't really matter. The fact is that he helped start this whole universe and was the face of Marvel for a long, long time. And his infectious spirit, um, you know, his attitude, kind of his showmanship. And there, there's a reason that Marvel is as successful as it is. And a lot of it goes to, to Stan Lee. And while not having directly created Wolverine, he did co-create the X-Men. Um, and without the X-Men, there's no mutants, there's no, no Wolverine. I mean, yeah, Wolverine started as a nemesis of the Hulk, but, you know, very quickly, third, third, well, depending on how you count cameos, but third or fourth appearance in, um, is switching over to the X-Men, and that's really, obviously, not saying, saying, speaking very, very obviously here, Captain Obvious, that, uh, you know, the X-Men are, are what grew Wolverine to the character that he is now. Um, and so, you know, in a way, no Stan, no X-Men, no Wolverine, at least not the way we know him. 
Um, so very, very important uh, contributions to the comic book world and just to the to the imaginations he fired up, uh, the world he built or helped build, and um, I don't know, it definitely impacted my life and, and millions of others. Um, like I said, in a long line of not only people and podcasters, but just comic fans in general who are, you know, saddened by, by the loss of, of Stan the Man. Um, but he did live a quite a long time and was able to accomplish quite a bit, and that's that's pretty awesome. It's something to be proud of. Um, you know, we'll definitely be missed, but at the same time, we still have his legacy. We have, you know, the books he wrote, the characters created will live on, you know, the way he shaped Marvel, um, you know, very early on in Marvel's history was like, you know, stoking the fires of of acceptance and that there's no room for hatred and that we're all all brothers and sisters. You know, he spoke about that a lot on, on in the stand soapbox and in interviews and stuff like that, that there's just no place in heroism for bigotry. And I think that's something that some people can really hear today, um, you know, it would help help to have that message still being trumpeted. And I think there are definitely creators, and specifically talking about comics, that that really champion that. And, and I think they owe a piece to Stan's legacy as well. Not to say they wouldn't have the courage to do it in and of themselves. I think that's part of who they are. But, you know, there's the precedent there that's, that's really cool and really awesome. And you know, something that impacted, you know, my world dream. You talk about what the X-Men kind of grew into um, and the messages in, in the X-Men books I read growing up of, you know, just acceptance and trying to find your place and, and all that stuff really, really impacted kind of the way I look at things. I've talked about that on this show before, and I think that all trickles back to, to Stan Lee. And so, I don't know, it's just this, uh, I don't know, I'm just... just it's sad, but not so sad all at the same time. Um, definitely want to probably honor his passing and honor his life more than mourning it. But, you know, there's always going to be part of you that's like, oh, man, but, you know, what if he was still still doing stuff or, or still had stuff to say? So, I don't know. But regardless, Excelsior Stan, um, yeah. So that's that. Uh you don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I think a lot of people will do the, a much better job of this than me. <laughs> it's not really my forte or my strength, but I did want to say a few comments and just kind of put some rambling thoughts out there that, that were swirling around in my head just to kind of get them out. Um, yeah, so we're going to look at some comics super quickly. I'm just going to kind of tear through these. I want, want the spirit of the episode to kind of stay with, you know, thinking about Stan. But all these characters kind of grew from his seeds. Um, I have a little little stack of comics here we're going to gonna burn through. Uh, first and foremost, X-23, number six, Operation Kindergarten Clone, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by new artist, uh... Georges Duarte, colors by Chris O'Halloran, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo, and a new cover artist Ashley Witter. Um, this cover is pretty great. Uh, it's not just the pose and the art, which are both great, 
But it's kind of a subtle thing. She's kind of, Laura's kind of slashing her claws around her hair. It's kind of going wild. She's definitely in action. But it kind of has that kind of uh, photographic element where you kind of get the sunburst and kind of the rainbow kind of spectrum coming off her claws as she moves them. Like, you see where they were and kind of have that faint kind of prism after effect. It's, it's a really nice detail and a nice touch. Really kind of brings this this cover to life. Um, so the basic gist is that Gabby and Laura are on a mission. Uh, there's a school that has been ordering some very specific cloning supplies uh, with the initials SFC. And there's a teacher at this school at Fieldbrook High School with those initials. Um, and they're going to scope them out. So Laura and and it's kind of counter actually knowing the education system have to take this with a grain of salt because I don't think Laura can just jump in and start being a coach at a school with um you know but Gabby could definitely get in as a student I would think and she is so she's a high school student and Laura is a high school coach um and they're going to try to shut down this ex-clone black market um and so there's a teacher um, what do they say his name is? It's, and his initials are SFC, uh, something St. Claire, I think. Um, and so Gabby gets in his class, and, you know, she's really into the mission. She's taking notes, having lots of fun dialogue, um, and so she is, she's all over it, and she meets some, quote-unquote, friends or some other students, um, she says one of her dislikes are people who wear all one color, and we see a, a girl in different shades of pink. <laughs> and so they're in class together. Then we see Laura on the track field being coach, and she's a she's a main coach, making everybody run laps. Um, or Gabby are, are trying to talk, but Laura's getting really into it. Gabby follows the teacher, and then she gets busted by the science club. Um, and so they're like getting ready for the science fair. They're wondering why she's in the hall. Um, it's, it's pretty funny. And then Laura goes to lunch. She's eating lunch with the teachers. And Gabby sends her message and says, Hey, I think we had the wrong initials. I don't think it's a science teacher. I think FSE is Fieldbrook Science Club. Um, so maybe Fraser St. Clair is not our dude. Uh, so... Laura runs off, uh, she sees the science club door is locked, she pops her claws and slices the door handle off, and they go to the basement where they find lots of science equipment and cloning equipment, the colors are really cool in this section. Uh, Gabby goes to the gym to the science fair, and there's a big pink robot uh, that the pink girl built. <laughs> um, Laura has a bright idea to pull the fire alarm. Uh, so everyone starts evacuating. The pink robot shoots gumballs, like these gooey gumballs. So she shoots some at Gabby and traps her. Uh, Gabby's like, I've been globbed! <laughs> and then Laura throws basketballs at the robot. And she's, Gabby's like, saved by a basketball, so high school. Um, but she's able to cut her way out. Laura pops her claws. Turns out this girl knows who they are and knew who they were already. Um, 
but they capture her of course they end up globbing her with her own glob ball against the wall and, and they're like all right bye high school and they i guess kind of clean up and they make some kindergarten cop uh jokes as they walk off and that's the end of the story it's kind of a kind of fill in the gap story um when the art, new artists kind of do their thing it's a very light-hearted story which i actually enjoyed quite a bit um Tamaki continues to nail the voices of Laura and Gabby and the relationship and the banter and all that's great. Um, the story is fine. I mean, it's, it's very, very lighthearted. Um, so what about the art? Really miss Cabal. How this uh, new person step in? And I feel like pretty good. I'm interested to see where they go. Um, the colors are really nice. Some of the the figure work is a little too comic strippy for me. Um, it kind of made me think, kind of made me feel like they were going for like a modern Archie feel. I don't know if you remember how, how many of y'all read kind of the new relaunch of with Wade and Fiona Staples, which, you know, quickly got turned over to other people. But um, one of the people that took over after Fiona Staples left was um, Veronica Fish, who also did some Spider-Woman issues before that book ended. Um, kind of feel like this is a similar vibe. Um, kind of really could, would like to see Veronica Fish do one of these books. Um, I think she could do a great job. But um, yeah, I think I think there's definitely some potential for some really cool stuff here in the art. Um, so I guess we'll see where it goes. But I think it's a good start and definitely has me feeling good about the direction of the book. Um, we'll see if the stories get more serious, if the art can kind of adjust. And maybe it won't though. Maybe we'll stay lighthearted for a while. I don't know. But um, anyway, I'm going to give X-23 number 6 a very strong... Oh gosh. Um, so I can either a really high 4... Or a low five. You know what? I'm gonna do. And I like the writing enough, and I had enough fun with it. I'm gonna do five out of six claws. So after that, we have Weapon X number 25. I thought this might be the last issue, but it's not. There's gonna be some more. <laughs> I know it's going away because it's getting replaced by X Force, the new X Force. But um, anyway, this is uh, Weapon X Force Part Four. Written by Greg Pock and Fred Van Winty. Art by Luca Pizzari. Colors by Frank Diamarda. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And cover by Raza. And I haven't loved all of Raza's covers, but this one's pretty cool. We have our Weapon X team on fire. And they're fighting a Nightcrawler type tail. A prehensile tail. But the focus is on Sabretooth in the forefront. And the flames are coming off and kind of his fur like on the shoulder and his head. And that's it's a nice visual. It actually works pretty well with the colors and everything. Um, all right, so remember, they're they're tracking down Robo Striker and uh, Mentalo. And they've gathered, like, all these mutants that they tried to capture. So Weapon X Force has grown. Um, Sabretooth attacks Robo Striker. And then everyone else jumps in and starts attacking and fighting. And there's lots of fighting. And, um, turns out the Reverend Striker made a deal with the devil. And he's going to go away, go back to hell, but he'll come back. 
and then he's going to find Weapon X-Force. Then we see a senator who has made a deal with the devil to win his campaign. And this particular devil, looking rather dapper, is Azazel, who I always hate to see. But only because they made him Nightcrawler's dad, and I don't like that. But I've talked about that ad nauseum before. I prefer Nightcrawler to just have his characteristics as kind of a freak mutation and not actually be a demon. Um, or have, you know, demon physiology. Um, anyway, uh, and then Mystique poses one of his aides. X-Force wants some help with some hell power, and so she comes to see her ex-lover. Uh, of course, he recognizes her, smells her, I think. They start talking, but then Sabretooth and company get impatient. They bust in, which causes Azazel to go on the offensive, so everybody starts fighting. And then he's finally like, well, I've been banished from hell. I can't take you there, but I can send you there. And he gets a sword and he cuts Sabretooth's heads off. And so X Weapon X-Force is going to hell because they figure if, if Strikers promised to come back, then why wait? We can go to hell and get him instead of looking over our shoulders. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed the art. Art's not bad, particularly the colors work pretty well. Didn't really enjoy the story. Um, I'm going to give it two out of six claws. Alright, next up we have Fantastic Four, excuse me, number three, uh, which Logan is in. This is Family Reunion, written by Dan Slott, art by Sarah Fakelli and Nico Leone, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, the cover is by Isad Rivik. It's a really nice cover with various Fantastic Fours on the front. Uh, Logan's not on the cover, but he's in the book. And um, basically, you know, Johnny and Ben have been looking for their family. And their family's been out creating new multiverses until the Griever, which is an, kind of a embodiment of an ideal, kind of like, you know... Um, Eternity and other such entities that Marvel kind of uh, personifies as different characters. Well, she is destroying all the multiverses they created because she doesn't like it. And she had trapped the Fantastic Family. And Reed was like, well, but you only got some of us. If you let us get the Fantastic Four, then we can beat you. And she's like, fine. And then last issue at the end, he called all and anyone that's ever been part of the Fantastic Four. Kind of had his loophole, right? And so that includes Logan. So they all show up. And the fight is fine. Really where this sings is in the dynamics and relationships. The way it focuses on the family. Um, you know, we have the family reunion where Ben and Johnny come. And... They, they see their family and get to meet everybody. They inspire Franklin and Valeria to do their parts to kind of take the Griever down. And really what they end up doing is they, they kind of strand themselves there and leave one teleportation device able to go home. And they kind of offer, like, you can be stuck here in this world because you borrowed the power to get here or we can all go home. And that's kind of what they do. And so the Fantastic Four win the day. Like I said, the story is is fine. But it's really the relationships, you know, the reunions, the banter. I'm sorry, the banter. Um, 
just all the interactions and just the feel, the way it feels. This book feels great, and the art is amazing. Uh, so I'm going to give Fantastic Four number three. I mean, Logan, I did mention he's in there. That's really all there is to say. Um, he kind of pops his claws and runs around for a little bit, and that's about it. But, um, yeah, I'm going to give Fantastic Four number three, six out of six claws. That's going to take us to Avengers number 10 slash 700, um, which is, of course, written by Jason Aaron. Um, also have art, main art by David Marquez and Ed McGinnis. Then there's some guest art and some backups by Fraser Irving, Adam Kubert, and Andrea Sorrentino. Colors by Justin Ponsor, Eric Arseniega, Fraser Irving, Matthew Wilson, and Glada Marchisio. And letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the main cover is by Ed McGinnis and Marte Gracia. I got the Ron Lim cover, which has a nice blocky 700, which I always like when they kind of do that for anniversary issues. And we have the Avengers trilogy on the front, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. It's just a really nice cover. I would definitely recommend Googling it. So we go to Siberia. Uh, the basic gist of the main story is that uh, the Russian Avengers get back together. And we have Major Ursa, and he's been imprisoned by his own government. And he's just sitting there drinking vodka as a giant bear. But, you know, in response to Namor's aggression, they need him. We meet the mysterious new Red Widow, who is one of the most recent graduates in the Red Room. And then get the Crimson Dynamo back together. And so they do that. And then Namor shows up with his Defenders of the Deep, which is Namor and a bunch of evil fish-related bad guys. Um, and they attack. Actually, they lift this base, this hydrolysis or hydropolis. And they lift it out of the ocean and say, you can't be here anymore. Um, then back at Avengers Mountain, uh, the gorilla guy from Atlas gets kind of the word of what's going on. So our Avengers go, and they fight. Uh, Captain America has an argument with General Ross that, you know, the Avengers may be based out of Wakanda now and Antarctica, but they belong to the world. And they're not going to serve the whims of the U.S. government, which Ross is not happy about, of course. And they all go fight Namor. That's where the art changes. So Marquez's art, of course, was beautiful. And Guinness's art works pretty well as well. Um... Lots of fighting, fighting against Namor and his creatures, and then, uh, what are they actually called here? The Winter Guard. That's the Russian Avengers. They show up, um, and do some more fighting, fight. Uh, you know, the enemy, my enemy is my friend, or whatever, so they all kind of fight Namor's armies together. Uh, Namor eventually retreats, leaving the Avengers and the Winter Guard to kind of a standoff. Mm, that kind of is kind of separate ways from there. Um, General Ross is not happy about not having the Avengers under his thumb, so he talks to Agent Coulson and puts together a new Squadron Supreme of America, which I'm sure that'll turn out great for our heroes. Uh, then we get a cool Ghost Rider story, um, and then but when we really go to where he uh, meets Odin. But then the Adam Kubert stories where Logan shows up, and it's Loki going back to the Celestial saying, Hey, 
I help you guys in that first story arc, but then Wolverine shows up, and Loki's like, what? But this is Phoenix Wolverine from Jason Aaron's Thor book. We get a nice double snick as he sees different parts of the future. And he's like, um, we gotta do something about all this. And there's lots of interesting images. Um, we see the Squadron Supreme guy breaking Captain America's shield. We see Moon Knight with mummies. Namor, of course. Lots of hand ninjas. Uh, interesting Punisher vision. Um, some star brand hands. Man thing with uh, Iron Man's helmet and Thor's hammer. And Phoenix Wolverine's like, we gotta, we gotta help stop some of this. And so we gotta get, get everybody out of here. And that's kind of what he does. And he says, um, I help the Celestials. And there's a cool thing where he goes, Snicked. And he says, Loki, in case you're wondering, Snicked is a signal. Lots of Vamoose. And then uh, that transitions to a Waff story, uh, which is Sorrentino's art. And um, she goes to find Blade. That's where it ends up. Um, the main story I thought was pretty great. The backups vary in quality, but they're all pretty fun. Um, I would give Avengers number 10 a very solid... I mean, it's at least 5 out of 6 claws. It might be a low... I really had a lot of fun with this. Um, and really enjoyed the art on the main story by both Marquez and McGinnis. Uh... Both made this work really well. You know what? I'm going to... Screw it. I'm going to give it 6 out of 6 claws. Alright, so then Logan gets a mention in Marvel Knights 20th Anniversary number 1. Um, I think he's going to be in future issues, so I thought I'd bring it up real quick. Uh, yeah, like I said, we're running through these comics, right? Um, oh gosh, where are the credits? I don't know, where are they? Oh, no, I'm halfway through the book. Alright, so Marvel MK20, or MK20, uh, written by Donnie Cates, penciled by Travel Foreman, um, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, uh, color by Matt Mia, ink by Derek Fridoffs, and the cover by Jeff Shaw and Rain Burrito. On this cover, we have Daredevil walking down the street, pulling his shirt off, um, and behind him are lots of different heroes. I think we have like a Jubilee, we have Logan, uh, Jean Grey, so lots of X-Men kind of walking around in the background. So Logan's on the cover, and I think he will be in future issues. Uh, basically, we have heroes um, who have forgotten who they are, but some of them are starting to wake up, and the Punisher is woken up, and he's uh, faking as a policeman. He finds Matt Murdock at Karen Page's tombstone and tries to wake him up, and it kind of works. And, you know, it's funny because they keep talking about the boss and who's in charge and even the kingpin is serving this person or Wilson Fisk. Um, and no one remembers who the heroes are because Matt Burnock tries to go to his office and Foggy and his new partner, Jennifer Walters, don't recognize him at all. And even when he pulls out his ID, he can see it, but they just see a blank piece of paper. Um, and so, you know, She-Hulk doesn't really remember who she is, so, and Matt sees the Fantastic Four on the street, but we see Ben Grimm look in the mirror, and he looks like his human self, even though he's not. So, all very interesting. Um, and I couldn't help but think, I don't think it's that it's badly written, or that there's really any clues, 
but because I've been reading so much 60s Marvel, I kept thinking, you know, I bet this is something like when Dr. Doom would, like, mass mind control and brainwash people, and turns out that that's what's going on. <laughs> the reveal at the end of that is Dr. Doom, um, kind of in charge of everything. So, we'll see where it goes. It was a fun issue, uh, and the reason I wanted, I brought it up is because Frank Castle has a list of people he's trying to wake up, and Logan is on the list, and they talk about the guy with the claws that, that didn't really cooperate <laughs> uh, before they get to Matt Murdock. And so, I think it'll be an interesting story. Um, the art's really cool. I like Travel Foreman. Um, I mean, I don't know. We'll see kind of where it goes. But I would give this a uh, 4 out of 6 claws. So next up we have Infinity Wars number 5. And um, I have the Javier Garone variant cover. This is written by Gary Dugan. Art by Mike Diodato Jr. Colors by Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo. Um, like I said, I have the Javier Garone cover. Um, so our heroes have started to kind of wake up and merge back together and try to fight Gamora. We see Weapon Hex, of course, again as they're fighting inside Soul World. Um, and that's kind of what they're doing. And they go, Emma and her team, the new Infinity Watch that Loki put together, come to find young Gamora in the Infinity Stones that are inside Soul World. And they convince her that they want to play, and they're going to borrow her magic rocks. And Loki kind of puts them together and passes them out to different people in the new Infinity Watch. And they open a portal, and they go to try to fight Gamora, who's already fighting a version of Moon Dragon and this Kree woman. And then they show up, and they fight some more... Um, Hulk has a humorous scene where he throws Gamora around. Um, and Gamora, they start taking her rocks one at a time. So they, they're getting the Infinity Stones. But then at the end, Loki sends everybody away and takes the stones for himself. So it was a big double cross and a secret plan. And he goes and goes kind of a different version of reality. And the stones don't really do anything. But he's like, I should hold on to him just in case. And put some in his pocket. And then he meets some more Celestials, which he just did in Avengers. Um, and our heroes are still fighting Gamora in the Soul World. And that's kind of where it goes. Um, we meet Groot as an actual tree. And he's merged with Star-Lord. Um, but yeah. Um, it was fine. It was probably the least dynamic in the series so far, but it's still pretty good. The art's good. Um, I mean, we saw Loki being mischievous a mile away. That's all he ever does, right? Uh, I would give this a very strong 4 out of 6 claws. Alright, last but not least, Exiles number 10 with Little Wolvie. Written by Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez. I'm sorry, they're the storytellers. So, uh, probably co-written, maybe, but... It, at the least, Rodriguez did the art, which I'm excited about. Alvaro Lopez does the inks. Mustafa Vicente does the colors. VCs Joe Caramania does the letters. And the cover is by David Nakayama. And it's a cool cover of our Exiles kind of 
either coming out or being sucked back into a genie lamp. Um, little Wolvie's face is priced to us as he's being swirled around in the smoke. And Khalif Doom in the back is smiling. So we're in our Aladdin story, and that is really neither here nor there. But this book is beautiful. The art and the colors and just the layout and panel design by Javier Rodriguez is amazing. And the character moments are great. Um, we have little Wolfie going, he's scary. I want pie. Like he's on the constant lookout for cake and pie. Um, and so our heroes all get together. They fight Khalif Doom. Um, you know, and obviously they they eventually win. So he eventually gets the Ring of Solomon and has his own genie, which is a version of Mephisto. Um, and little Wolfie actually gets to use his claws here. He's cutting some people, um, He's still in a cartoony way, but he's definitely fighting, which we haven't really seen him really fight a whole lot yet, uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, he's still very, very cute. Um, but yeah, they get together, they fight. Uh, Doctor Doom and Mephisto, Blink eventually teleports and teleports his finger away with the ring, and then Mephisto, the genie, is like, I'm free! And he sends Doom to hell with them. And then our exiles go back to the real world, Earth 616, in a very awesome looking kind of color scheme that happens there. And um, they're all sad that they don't know where they're going to go or how they're going to get back to their homes. And then Khan shows up with the mother effing exiles. <laughs> and they're going to fight the other exiles. And included in the mother effing exiles is an old version of X-23, so a younger version. Um, some other pretty cool looking character designs, so that'll be interesting. Um, like I said, the uh, Aladdin story for me was neither here nor there, but the art was amazing and the character interaction was pretty great. Um, so I would still give Exiles number 10 5 out of 6 claws. So, there you go. There's a bunch of comics in a short amount of time, but really just wanted to to get some thoughts together about about Stanley and um so that's that so I hope you enjoyed the the b -b bonus episode and um yeah so until next time oh wait uh, obviously uh please like the Facebook page for the podcast that goes snicked Twitter is at snickcast and we'll be back soon with something else so until next time hugs and snicks everybody bye bye <laughs>